0: I hope you're glad to be in the house of the Lord today. and I'm going to finish up my, my uh, series on invasion. And today I want to talk to you about a topic. As I've done some secular research, I found that it is more popular than I thought. Maybe I should have had uh, six weeks on this one. But today I want to talk about an invasion of your confidence slash self-esteem. Man, this is a big deal, okay? Your confidence, the the enemy wants to invade your confidence, how you feel about you, how you feel about God, what you feel about God, what you experience. He wants to to invade that to distort that. How many of you know that the enemy's goal is to kill, steal, and destroy, right? John 10 and 10. That's his only purpose. If you're trying to be friends with the devil, if you're trying to think that everything's going to be all right, that's an absolute lie because the Bible teaches that. Uh, he's, the, he's a liar, and he's the father of liars. I mean, he just ain't the liar, but he is the father of liars. You ever knew those people that, that uh, uh, they could lie, and they were so good, you'd almost believe it. I mean, like today, we got the sun shines beautiful out there, and they could come in, and they're such good liars. They'd say, Lord, it's about to, it's about to have a, man, I mean, a pour down out here. The thunder, I mean, it's fixing to be a thunderstorm. I mean, you're thinking, well, I thought it was supposed to be pretty. And you're on your app looking at your phone, and it says 2%. Chance of rain, beautiful sun signing. And you're thinking, and this guy keeps talking, and all of a sudden you're thinking, well, I better go check. I mean, they're that good? That's the way the devil is. He's that good. So if you're trying to carry on a conversation with him and think you're going to escape out of it and get out of it, guess what? You're going to lose. He is that good. The devil is a good liar. I mean, ain't much good about him, but he's a good liar. Amen? And so today I want to talk about that as I conclude uh, with my series. I want to refresh real quickly there's six things you need to know about an invasion from your enemy. Number one, you must have an adversary. Some of us are fighting things that ain't nothing but us. So you got to have an adversary. Number two, you can't keep the enemy from approaching you or attacking you. You can't do that, okay? It's just impossible. Number three, adversaries usually start out with a bluff or a lie to get what they want. They'll tell you one thing knowing that alter- their their uh, their motive is something totally different. But they'll start with that little bit to get you... Remember Eve? Remember Eve? Did did God say that? Well, he did say it. (laughs) But he's getting her to doubt that he said it that way, that he really meant that. Amen? And so that's what happens a lot of times. So if you're having these conversations with the devil, watch out. He's lying. He's a liar. Amen? Number five, or number four, you can't reason with your enemy. You ever tried to reason with somebody you was mad at? You ever had somebody try to reason with you when you were mad? It just doesn't work. Amen. Number five, your enemy is out to get you. Period. The devil, what is it? He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. He's out to get you. And six, the only way to defeat your adversary is with the word. That's why you got to stay in the word. That's why you got to read the Bible. You got to you got to study the Bible. You got to pray and seek God. You got to stay in God's Word to know what the Word says about you and your situation, your condition, where you're at, or what God wants to do in your life. And if you don't read God's Word, you don't know that. You're just thinking, well, I'm I'm the only guy out here on this lone island in the middle of an ocean somewhere trying to survive here, and nobody nobody's like me. Nobody knows me, and God doesn't care. He's deserted me. You ever felt like that? Sure. If you've been a Christian more than an hour, you felt like that somewhere. If you went through any kind of trial or tribulation, or yeah, you, you, you feel like that. So I want to talk to you today for a little bit about self, self-confidence and self-esteem. Self-confidence, I went right to Mr. Webster to get this definition. Self-confidence, now I want you to pay attention to the definition, okay? Self-confidence is kind of in the name, but self-confidence Simply means this. Confidence in oneself and in one's powers and abilities. All right? Self-confidence. Okay? It's you have hope. You have, uh, uh, well, just hope in your abilities. Hope in what you can do, what you can deliver. That's where your hope lies. How many of you know that that's a lie right off? Our hope should be in Jesus Christ, not in self but the, the world has told us that it's all about you, and if you don't make it happen, something must be wrong with you. We've even got preachers in pulpits saying, well, if you don't uh, attain a certain uh, economic level, there's something wrong with you and you're walk with God. Well, that's absolutely true. Not. See if you're paying attention. That is not true. God the Bible says He blesses whom He will and He curses whom He will. It's up to God. If you come on Wednesdays, we're learning some of that stuff, amen. So watch this. There is a good self-confidence, and there is a bad self-confidence. There's nothing wrong with having confidence about, about you and how you look and how you how you uh, how you are perceived. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's this fine line of stepping across that line to wanting to be noticed and look your best, and 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 you know that's the kind of the bad confidence. I want you to look nice and look good, and everybody else does. And I want you to take a bath and use, uh, use soap, uh, you know, when you was a kid. Your, your wife, your wife. I mean, when you was a kid, your mom would say, did you, did you take a bath? Yeah. Did you use soap? No. You didn't tell me to do that. I didn't know that's part of the plan. You said take a bath. I got in the water, you know. How many of you ever went swimming in a lake and thought that was good enough for a bath? Come on, the rest of you that, 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 that are not raising your hand, you're liars, okay? You're a liar. You thought, man, I've been in water all day. I've got to be clean. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with swimming around fish poop all day. That's it. You're clean. <laughs> self esteem, on the other hand, is very closely related to self confidence. Self esteem means confidence and satisfaction in oneself. Uh, there's a good part of that and there's a bad part of that. When you have self-esteem, you're, you're, it's all about you, right? It's all about you. Y'all remember I told you a few weeks ago in this message that there was that song by Toby Keith that some of you denied that you ever heard. And I won't talk about me, right? Some of you have that problem today. Want to talk about me? Want to talk about me? Won't talk about I? I wish I could sing. I can sing better than Toby Keith. There ain't no question in my opinion. no, No, I'm kidding. But... It's all about you. And that's where self esteem and self confidence gets all twisted up when it all becomes about you and it has nothing to do with him. And here's what happens when it's all about you, let me tell you something you will fail you. You're going to let you down. You don't mean to, but you're going to let you down. When you put all of your hope, all of your trust, everything in you, you're going to fail you. And then guess what does that lead to? Low self esteem and low self confidence. You're no good. God can't use you. What was I thinking? And the devil comes and says, you know, you're absolutely right. That's the only time the devil agrees agree with you when you're beating you up. He'll agree with you, right? Proverbs 3.26 says this, For the Lord will be your confidence. If you were wondering where your confidence should come from, it says that the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Well, that word caught kind of mean. what does that mean, being caught? That means to be ensnared, to be trapped into something that you're not supposed to be trapped in. So what does that mean? You'll get into low self-esteem and low, uh, and, and low self-confidence. You'll get caught in this trap if you put your hope in you. But you, the Bible says that we should put our confidence in him. When we put it in him, it doesn't mean that your appearance is going to change necessarily. Probably won't. I went the other day to buy some new clothing. Glory to God, clothes that went up. They went up a lot in my life. I mean, they went up in size and everything. I mean, they... And so I'm in a popular... Uh, obviously, I'm a pretty popular size because they didn't have exactly what I needed. And so, don't be... Look, Jason's leaning back like this. You're bigger than I am, so... Uh, he don't understand. I got the mic today. <laughs> And so I go in and I and I and I, and I said I, he said, Well, can I help you? And I said, Well, sure, you can help me. And he said, What are you looking for? I said, Well, let me just start by saying this. Look, I I'm I'm am I'm a pastor and, and I want a jacket, I want some nice shirts and some nice slacks and so forth. And we, he said, okay. And uh, I wanted to tell him I was Pentecostal because I'm raised my hands, you know, so I don't want him to come to here, you know. But I said, uh, he said, Well, well, let's start with the pants. That's a good idea. So he pulls out, what are you looking for? And I said, oh, I like this, this. And he's telling me all these brands. And I'm thinking, okay, pretty good. Never heard of these, but they must be good. You're selling them at more than I wanted to pay for them. So, yeah, there must be, must be something to it. So I, I get my pants and they put them on, and I come out. And he said, what do you think? I said, well, they're real long. He said, yeah, well, we hem them up and cut them off. You know, they're about that much too long. You all ever been to those places where they tailor you? You're thinking, man, these are going to be a little long. He says, no, we're going to tell And he said, you like the fit? And I said, well, yeah, but the area here is a little tight. He said, don't worry about it. Do you like the pants? I said, well, yeah, other than the area here is a little tight. He said, he told me, don't worry about it. So he gets the length, pins it up like he wants it. Does it and he says, man, this is going to be, he said, these are really looking good on you. I said, yeah, other than the area right here. He said, don't worry about it. He said, "Go on, take it. to take one there. And I went to the dressing room, took my pants off, come back in uh, with other pants on. I came back out in there. And he said, he flipped the pants inside. And he said, you see this little thing right here? I said, yeah, like a seam to me. He said, see, it's got about an inch on each side. We can tailor this. He said, good pants have enough seam on the inside where you can take them out and pull them up. He said, and when I t- have the tailor, take them out. They're going to fit you just fine. I said, right here? He said, right there. I said, all right. So I said, well, I'd like to have another pair. So we go through this process. What am I doing by looking in this mirror? He said, go stand in this mirror, big tall mirror. I'm looking. Y'all act like y'all have never done that. I want to make sure something ain't about to rip. Come on. So I. And this is what I told him. I said I have a lot of kids in my church, and I bend over a lot. See, that means something to me. I want to look good. You don't want to see everything, so I go through this part. I'm making a point. So, and I'm looking. You know why? Because I want to look good. Self-confidence, self-esteem. You want to look good, right? Come on. There's nothing wrong with looking good. But now, if that was the only reason I was buying clothes, we got a problem. That's the only reason I was trying, so I can look better than someone else then we got a problem. My self-confidence, my self-esteem has went too far one way, correct? By the way, I got a new jacket. And he said, uh, he said, what are you, about a 46 or 8? I said, something like that. You know, it's not like I go try on jackets every day. He puts it on, and it was like... I said, dude, this isn't going to work. He said, yeah, it looks a little snug in the shoulders. I said, "Mm mm-hmm. He said... And he was so kind. I said, but it's a little big here. I mean, a little tight here too. He said, you need a 50. So he gets the 50. He puts the 50 on me. He said, you've got some broad shoulders and slaps me on the shoulder. I'm thinking, he's making me feel good. So I took the jacket. I've done it like this. And that sucker just about wrapped around me twice. I said, but it's large here. He said, but you've got big shoulders. I said, how are you going to fix this? He said, our tailor fix that so it'll snug right into you. I said, well, praise God for tailors. I didn't even know that they could do all this kind of good stuff. He said, it'll fit you just right. I said, with the bulge and everything, he kind of laughed like you did. He said, no, it's going to look good on you. I said, all right, well, sign me up for one of those things too. So I got some new clothes coming. Why? Wow. So my self-esteem will be okay. No, it's simply because you won't see me in my blue and my gray suit. Amen? So there's nothing wrong with a good confidence and having some confidence in making yourself look good. It is when we start looking at this confidence in the wrong way without having confidence in God. See, I I feel good about me whether I'm in a jacket or whether I'm in a polo shirt up here in front of you or a pair of shorts. I'm still okay with me. It doesn't matter whether you're okay with me or not. See, I may have a bulge where you don't have one, but you may have one where I don't have one. But I'm okay with my bulge. Amen? There's correct self-confidence. You've got to have confidence in who you are. All right? Now watch this. I've done a little research. Self-confidence is one area that the enemy tries to get you off track, tries to get you, mess you up in your mind. Yeah, let me go through a couple real quick before giving. Uh, I'm not qualified to do that. I hadn't been a Christian long enough. I, I don't know if I can do that, Pastor. Well, it's just greeting at the back door. Can you smile? Can you talk? I mean, you know, it, it's not a real spiritual thing there. You know what I'm saying? So, well, I, you know, I can't teach class. I've only been saved 12 years. I hadn't got the Bible memorized. Well, join the club of the non Bible memorized club, okay? That's us, okay? The devil will get into your head, though, thinking that you're not qualified. And, and, and I want you to know that if you have confidence in God, he'll lead you. If you study the Word of God, he'll lead you in what you need to be and how you need to be and what you need to be doing. Watch this. Now, there's seven seven in ten girls. Now, listen to me. I want you to get these. I, I, I kind of get, um, I don't want you to get bored with these numbers, okay? These are real numbers. Seven in ten girls believe that they are not good enough or do not measure up in some way. That's girls right now, okay? Including their looks, performance in school, and relationships with friends and family members. Seven out of ten. Can I get uh, you two stand up? Lee, will you stand up? You're not. You stand up, Beverly. Pam, stand up. One, two, three, four, five. I need the six, seven. I need you two right there. Come on, y'all stand up there. Please, right here, Melinda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can say okay. Let the girls stand up. They, they. Yeah, let's the go. Come on, girls. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, I do need you too, Melinda. Stand up. Haley, eight. Nine. Sam, stand up. Oh, Sydney's back here, but either way. Okay, it's easy. You're already up. It's hard to get that momentum going there. Do we have ten girls standing up? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We got ten. Now, three of you sit down. Don't matter. You use three right there in the back. Nope. Now that's four. It's okay to have self-confidence when you can count. No, I'm kidding. Out of the ten, statistically speaking, seven ladies, seven females have a self-confidence problem. They're among us. Amen? Seven out of ten. That's a big number. You can sit down now and think, I bet it's higher in high school. With social media junk going on nowadays... You, you get approval by how many likes you got on a picture or a video or whatever it is you do, your Snapchat or I don't even know why they call it that, that. I don't even know what all that is. Seventy-five percent of girls with low self-esteem, well, listen to me, reported engaging in negative activities like cutting, bullying, smoking, drinking, and, and, and a disorder of eating. Seventy-five percent. Guys in this area, 25 percent percent of the guys that's huge that means 25 percent of the people in this church come on have a self-confidence problem and they'll turn to other means to satisfy them I've talked to some people who cut before cutting mean most of the time they'll cut their wrists sometimes it's right in the inside of their thighs where they can be covered up uh, with clothing you normally don't know that you can't see that but they say listen to me when I tell you this They say that cutting eases the pain that they have inside. When they see the blood gushing or oozing, it's like a release for them. For real? For real. It's not something to be, I'm not trying to be funny with it. I'm saying it's a real problem. Why is that? Because self-confidence, self-esteem has been destroyed by the enemy. And it's happening in our schools. Watch this. It's happening in your home, in your kid's bedroom or in their bathroom. They're cutting at home as much as they're cutting anywhere else. Probably more. Whew. Listen to some more statistics. 12.9 billion. Everybody say billion. Was spent in 2014 on cosmetics procedures. 12.9 billion. $2.6 billion was spent on in 2016 on gym memberships. I'm sorry, I'm part of the statistic. <laughs> 40 to 50 billion. Y'all really ain't even getting this because y'all, y'all like me, you don't you can't even comprehend a million, more or less a billion but I'm going to help you comprehend in a minute. 40 to $50 billion spent on weight loss products. That is not me. <laughs> I've never been on a diet pill. Matter of fact, I keep little Debbie in business. Amen? If there's a statistic that says we're keeping people fat, I'm in that one, okay? $30 billion, $30 billion on workout gear. And I have seen videos on social media of people in workout gear and they ain't working out. Do you hear me? They are, if they are, they need another trainer. They'll say, day 47 in the gym, you're thinking, good Lord, what did you look like before? Something's not right. But they spend $30 billion on workout gear. That's crazy, isn't it? Let me let me break this down and help you with it. The length of a of, of 1 billion, the length if you took a dollar bill and laid it end to end. 1 billion dollars end to in 6.12 inches long as a dollar bill. If you laid that end to end, just 1 billion. Now we all these numbers come talked about 90.5 billion dollars. But just 1 billion dollar End to end would be 96,900 miles long. I just need a few miles of it. This would extend around the earth almost four times at the equator. Just one billion. The length of a hundred million would, of $1 bills laid in, it measures. 9,690,656,000 miles. It would extend around the earth 387 times. I just need enough money laid from Indian from here to my house. I'm going to be okay from there, okay? It's 19 miles. I think I can make it on the rest, okay? That's a lot of money. We spent that on what? Trying to look good. All these statistics... Uh, Cosmetic procedures, gym memberships, weight loss programs, and workout gear, some $90.5 billion. That turns out to be somewhere around 360 times you could go around the equator with that amount of money. You tell me that we don't have an ego problem, we don't have a self esteem problem. We got one. Now, watch this. This is even getting more interesting. I'm going somewhere, it's going to get better. Renee Matangi, I think, T A G N E Matangi, I think, is the way you say her name. She's an NPR uh, reporter, and she reported on May eighteenth, two thousand and seven. Maybe money can buy uh, can't buy happiness, but plenty of us uh, try to induce it in other ways, with chocolate or yoga or medical solution. Listen to the three options. They try to induce this happiness with chocolate. Pretty good start. (laughs) Yoga, bad. Medical solution, nah, not so good. Today's last word in business is Prozac. This was this is in 2007. This is the latest craze in 2000. Prozac, Prozac, um, often called the happy drug. It's the most widely used antidepressant in history, with 54 million prescriptions. This is in 2007. May I tell you in the months of February and March in 2021, Zolof, the drug Zoloft, increased 21%. Matter of fact, it was so much prescribed that the FDA put it on a list of no supply in just 2020, 2020 February and March. We hadn't even reached the full peak yet of the pandemic. Now look, I want you to understand your pastor. If you're on Zoloft or Prozac for the right reasons, this I am not talking about you. This message has nothing to do with that. If you really need these things, I'm talking about things where your confidence and stuff is not in Jesus Christ, and you got other problems. Okay, I'm not talking about. Do you understand me? You love me. You understand what I'm talking about? Does everybody get me? Everybody say Amen. amen. Okay. This week, Prozac celebrates its 20th birthday. This is in 2007. These days, uh, the drug is prescribed for lots of sad conditions, from uh, obsessive compulsive disorder to a mild case of teenage blues. What? Did you? I got the blues when I was a teenager, and Dad said, "Well, let me help you with the blues." What did you do? You got to work eighteen hours in, instead of twenty. Okay, that helps the blues. Amen. You. you Got to do something. How many of you know you feel uh, when you just sit around and do nothing? Some of you are okay sitting around doing nothing, aren't you? I <laughs> see it. These drugs are prescribed for lots of sad conditions, a possessive compulsive disorder to a mild case of teenage blues. Watch this. Listen to me. This is in 2007. Please hear what I'm fixing to read to you. For toddlers, that's those little kids that we saw right up here. For toddlers, It comes in a liquid mint flavor. Veterinarians prescribe it. This is crazy. To panic, panicking parrots. I have a question. How do you know if your parrot is panicking? What does a normal parrot do when they're not panicking? How do we know these things? who studies these things and where do they get the money to study these things isn't that crazy but now talking about the toddlers not the parents it's also given to pacing polar bears pacing polar y'all ever seen a pacing polar bear well me either and destructive dogs because we don't want the dog killer, I mean, the, the, the rabbit dog, the one that eats little children, we don't want them going around, so let's give them a little bit of Prozac to calm them down. I love dogs, but there's a better solution. It's quicker. And for pets, the brand name Prozac can cost more than $100 a month. Ralph right, said, Huh? Ralph ain't heard nothing all morning. He said, huh? He heard $100. I say all that. I'm making a point. I'm fishing to get into my message. I say all of that and give you all these numbers and these statistics to tell you that not one time, and I read many more articles related to self-confidence, self-esteem, and Prozac, uh, Zoloft, and all the other antidepressants. I read probably eight or ten more articles from different sources. Not one of them, listen to me, not one of them mentioned anything about Jesus, getting connected to a church, your family, nothing like that. It was all about the drugs and what it can do. Uh, a yoga. If you are into yoga, you all come to me and I can tell you all about yoga. That's a different message. You don't need to be messing with yoga. Come on now, this, that's some stuff right there. I, I, that's a different message. Yoga is not your answer. Medical solutions are, are typically not your answer. There's cases where this, and chocolate ain't your answer. Watch this. Here we go. Here's the message, and we're going to get finished up. Psalms 139.13 13 says this. This is how God is, is looking at you. If you're wondering, what does God look at me? How, is God concerned with me? Does God even know I exist? I mean, I have all of these people around me, but I never hear from God. I never know God's with me. I, I, I don't know what God's thinking about me. I mean, how can He let me go through this and, and, and He be called a loving God? How do I know? It's in His Word. That's why I told you one of the things, you got to defeat the enemy in his word or with the word. It's in God's word, okay? Number one here, Psalms 139, 13. For you formed me in my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. Somebody needs to hear this today. Before you were ever seen outside of your mother's womb, God had a hand in making you. God knew you then. Before Before your mother ever... Caressed you and kissed you like Mary Esick Holden, beautiful Ben. Before you ever saw him, before you ever put your lips to his precious little hand, he knew him. Wow, that's amazing. you got to know what God thinks about you. He's concerned about you in the womb. If he's concerned about you in the womb, he's concerned with you outside of the womb. That's why I'm big like on abortion. Abortion is wrong. God already knows them. God's named them. God's, God's given them a heartbeat in the womb. Man, this is good stuff. You've got to get in God's word to know what he thinks about. This will help your self-confidence. You mean God's okay with me? Uh-huh. All right. It don't matter what the of you think. God's okay with me. Amen? Verse 14. It says, I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works And that my soul knows very well What is is the writer here Typically David here In this passage What is he saying Let's read it again 14 I will praise you So the writer said I'm going to praise you For I am fearfully And wonderfully made Marvelous are your works Now I'm going to stop right there He says look You've made something great Great if there's a birth defect God made it the way he wanted it to be God is perfect in his work and he says you've made your works are marvelous I'm going to praise you then he goes on to say this in the last part of 14 he says and that my soul knows very well In the beginning, before you came from the womb, your soul has been connected with God because of that ruach of God, that breath of God that was breathed into you. There is already this connection with God that you ought to know that God loves you, that God cares for you. But because of life circumstances to whom you were born or what situation or what you were raised in, all of a sudden, the world comes in and says, there is no God he doesn't care for you. If he cared for you, you wouldn't be born to these parents. You ought to divorce these parents. If he cared about you, you would be a little boy, still a little girl. Don't you want to be a little girl? I know you're a little boy. And the world keeps heaping us and says, that's right. You got low self-esteem because you were born a, a, a boy in a girl's body. And then our school system says, well, let's just put him in that same, let's go to the bathroom. Oh, you're, you, you identify as a Well, come on in here to the boy bathroom. Do you see where this is? That, that is a wrong view of self-confidence and self-esteem. And God says, wait a minute, I already had this figured out. But because we have lost God, because we have put God on a shelf somewhere way over here, taking him out of our schools, taking him out of our homes, all of a sudden our kids don't know what to believe. They're not getting taught the word of God, so what do they believe? What they're taught the most. I have a lawyer uh, in my family, and he told me if you want somebody to get some, he said, Here's the thing that they teach them in, in the, the debating. What you say first, what you say the boast, and what you say the last is what people will get. And if they're not getting God anywhere in that, what do you think they're going to believe? Well, it's not the Word of God because they're not getting it. Hallelujah. Boy, that meant something to me. Verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. What? You may be thinking, where is God? He was with you before you knew you were you. Did you get that? He was with you before you knew you were you. It says, you you were with me. And my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. My God, we got to get a hold of this Jesus that loves us and that says, I care about you. Verse sixteen: Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. What does that mean? That means even abortion after we hear the heartbeat is wrong. Before it is wrong. I mean, before the heartbeat, when there's a, it's wrong. He knew you then. Before there was nothing there. God knew you. Isn't that awesome to me? Isn't that awesome to you? Sure, it's awesome to me. And in your book, man, they are all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. What is the Scripture saying about you? Before you even had a day, I've already written your days in my book. I don't know about you, but have any of your closest friends ever written a book about you? Do you have a book on the bestseller look? Do your New York best time seller written about you? No, probably not. But I'm here to tell you that there's a book written that's all about you. This's got, I believe it's in front of God right now, and he's got Marty. Not to be confused with another Marty, but he put Marty back it. This is your book. And I'm thinking, well I didn't even know that. He said, yeah. But I know you better than you know you. This is God talking to you. He's got a book that's all about you. It's what the scripture says in his book. Let's read it again. Some of you don't believe it. In your your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. It's before you was. He already knew. And in your book, they're all written. The day's fashion, what's written? The day's fashion for me. What he wants you to do? The calling on your life. Who he wants you to marry? Come on now. Who he wants you to marry? The kids you'll have. He's got everything written already. Whoo! That is awesome to me. That God has taken so much time to write in a book. Everything. Man, that is awesome. He knows He knew my wife was going to marry me. She's one blessed woman. I remember when I got the news, Sam was going to be born, that Sam. And I'll never forget, we were going to a little little assembly God church, and and I remember my first prayer for my kid that I didn't know. My wife, she was just like nothing yet. And I remember this prayer, Ms. Fonda, sitting kind of toward the back. And I remember this prayer, and I said, Lord, I don't know what you have for her, but whatever I'm thinking, yours is a lot better. And I began to pray then, Lord, would you send her the right spouse? She didn't even know she was here. I wasn't sure she was there because I couldn't see anything. But God knew, and God heard prayers. I prayed that over My daughter. I prayed it over my son. I've been praying it for three-plus years over my granddaughter, and I've been praying it for about five months over my new grandson. Why? Because I take this thing for literal. If he knew me, he knows them in their womb before they were ever formed. God knows. I'm telling you, parents, grandparents, time to let's get busy about what God says in his word and how we need to pray. This will help you pray. Come on, this will help you. Verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts toward me, to me, O God. You mean God thinks about you? Either he does or this book's a liar. That's a bold statement. Either he has great thoughts about you or this book is a liar. Let's go on. This book says that he has, verse 17, Oh, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God. He leaves nothing for debate. Are we sure he's talking about God? Is, you know, is this a triune God? No, your thoughts to me are precious, oh God. Man, this is good stuff. If we can get a hold of this, I promise your outlook on life, who you are, your self-confidence, your self-esteem will begin to build in him. How great is the sum of them this is good news. And then he goes on to tell you how much, how great this sum is. You know, the sum means uh, take two numbers, put them together. The sum means the equals. Okay, for us simple folks, that just means the equals. Like one plus one equals. Well, the, the, that number two is the sum. Okay, watch this. You want to know how many, how many thoughts God has to you? This is so good. Verse 18, is it up on the screen? Y'all ain't getting it. Let's read it. If. I mean, let's read them. Let's means everybody together. Let's read them. If I should count them, they would. How many thoughts does God have about you and you alone? God, I wish I'd have brought me a bucket of sand today. Great illustration comes to my mind. That's what happens to me most of the time. It comes to me when I'm right here and I don't have time to go get it. A handful of sand. It'd take us months just to oh, start over. Everybody be quiet. Hundreds of thousands, probably a million grains of sand in your hand. And the Bible says if I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Not the sand in my hand, but the sand. You ever been to a desert where there's sand? When I was a kid, we went to Alamogordo, New Mexico, and they had sand dunes out there. And you could buy these little things um, that you sit on. And they were sand, and they were pretty like, you know, 40, 50 feet high, and you'd climb up these, and you get in these little glorified. Saucers, we call them sleds around here, snow things. And you get up and boom, you can fly down sand. I'm thinking these people are whacked out here. It's 127 degrees. We're supposed to have on coats. Instead, this is supposed to be snow. Sand forever. Just as far as you can see. Just sand in one place. I'm thinking, my God, he has that kind of thought for you. I hope you're getting what I'm saying. God has thoughts of you every day. Every time you do something, you're not alone. God is not some big God that says, oh, I I wouldn't pay attention. Uh, he'll be all right. He'll make it through. No, God's saying all the time, i got a thought about you. Don't do that or do this. Lean on me and I'll lead you in this direction. I'll guide you if you look to me in my word. But yet we say, it's just not working. Where's the peel bottle? It's just not working. Where's the chocolate? Come on, it's just not working. This thing, is, this God thing is not working. You know why? Because we don't know who God is to us. To appreciate something or somebody, you've got to know its value first. What did it cost? There was a story in the Bible about a woman who broke some perfume, precious perfume and anointed Jesus anointed him. and Good old one of the disciples decided that that was just way too much money to be broken and put on somebody's feet. And he said, we should have taken that up and given that to the poor. But see, that woman, she knew what it cost her. It was her life saving. It was everything she had. And she said, I'm willing to give everything. I understand the cost. When you understand the cost that Christ has paid for you, then everything begins to change. It is when we devalue his price that he put on our heads, so to speak. It is is when we devalue who he is and that he cares about us. It's when we devalue him is when our self-esteem begins to go south. Because as long as you know that you're valued in somebody's eyes, guess what? You're going to do better. You're going to perform better. You're going to have better self-esteem. Come on. It's when we lose sight of who God is to us. In John 15, 16, the Bible says this. You did not choose me. This is Jesus speaking for your wonders, red-letter edition. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that remains so that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he will give you. Who's done the choosing? Jesus does the choosing. He chose you the way you are. Do you get that? No matter what you see in the mirror, no matter what people have said about you, no matter about your past, what may be your reputation from years ago, what God says about you matters because he says, I chose you and I know all those things. I knew you before you'd done one wrong thing, and I've known you when you've done everything wrong. And I still choose you. Man, that's amazing. You mean, God, you you chose me in my fits of anger when I had problems? Uh-huh. I chose you. You mean I'm forgiven? Absolutely. Praise God. You mean I'm going to be okay? Uh-huh. Even the people are talking about saying, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Probably shouldn't do it. But you're okay. Man, this is good news. You know how I can preach every week up here to you? With all my flaws and all of my disappointments and all of my scars and all of my brokenness. You know how? Because I know who I am in Him. Off, oh, if we're relying, look, if you're relying on a person to be perfect, look, you're, you're disappointed already. If you're relying on a, on, a, on a pastor's wife to be perfect, guess what? You're disappointed, I can tell you right now. But in Him, it is in Him, confidence in Him, that God who saved me will keep me. In all of my stuff, in all of your stuff, in all of your disappointments, God says, I choose you. I want that one. You ever been the last kid picked on the playground? Nobody wants to be the last fat kid on the playground that's picked when we're doing a relay race. That's not who you would pick, right? You want the people that you know is fast and going to win. Why? Because it's all about us. We're going to win. God says, I got a plan for your life. It's like, I choose you. Lord, you know I can't run very fast. Yeah, but I choose you. But Lord, we're going to lose this race because, you know, I'm a little heavy. Yeah, but I choose you, Lord. This ain't gonna turn out good. See, I'm having a conversation, kind of being a little bit funny, but you have this same conversation about God with what God wants you to do. But God, I I I, I can't do that. God says, I got a plan. If you'll stick with me, I got a plan. Don't quit the team. I got a plan. You said, Are you sure, God? Are you sure that you have? A I've got a plan. Guess what? The race is run coming second but lo and behold guess what God had another plan God's got another game it's called tug-of-war who do you want on your team when you're playing tug-of-war you want the big boy come on and everybody's patting the big boy on the back because we want you at the end of the rope because they're not moving heavy fella does this make any sense but see, you thought you were picked because you were a fast runner and God never says, I wanna make you a runner. He said, I chose you. I chose you for such a time as this. I chose you and I got a calling on your life. You be obedient to me and I'll open up the plan. But see, so many times we view it as right now. And then when we don't do what we think God wants to do or, or this plan doesn't come and we lose the race, then our self-esteem goes down. It was, I was, I'm the reason that we lost the race. And some of you have been wallowing in this self-confidence, this pit of pity for so long that even when you, you're the person who wins in the tug of war, you're the main person. You say, yeah, but I lost the race. Come on. It wasn't your calling. God will move things around because of us sometimes in our slowness to respond to God and say, hmm, that's not it, but here's where I want you. And he'll let us work in this area for a while and it might seem all right. And all of a sudden God will elevate you over here and you say, Lord, what else you want to do in my life? And you find, oh my goodness, that calling is just like a glove and a hand. It fits perfectly. I've done a lot of ministries in my life and I'm thinking, Lord, I don't wanna do really many of these. But see, I didn't know God was preparing me to be a pastor 20, 30 years down the road. I thought all I'll ever be is somebody wiping honeys in the nursery. Come on. I've been there. Oh, all I'm ever gonna be is a children's pastor. And, and really, you know, I never wanted to be a senior pastor. Never, I guess it's because it just wasn't my deal. I was like, Lord, what do you want to do? Lord, I'll wipe a honey, I'll wipe a seed off in the toilet or or I'll teach kids or whatever, Lord. I didn't really care. I'm just so glad God was using me. I'm so glad that he didn't discard me and say, man, he's worthless, he's no good. He can't be used, he has no talent. I mean, look at this guy. He just has a, just a mess. I mean, he comes to me every week in his brokenness and he says, God, I messed up again. What are we going to do, God? I mean, and I'm just so glad God says, I can take all of your brokenness. You just give it to me and quit trying to do all these things. I'll open up ministry doors. I'll open up things in your life that you never ever dreamed of. When I started doing that, I was like, I didn't care what I was doing. I just want to do something for the Lord. Hallelujah! And then next thing you know, guess what? Y'all know my story. I never desired to be a to be a uh, uh, to be a senior pastor, but God qualified me all along these ways because God is God and if you yield he'll do with you what he wants to the devil wants you to think that because you don't fit the mold that you're not good enough that you're unqualified to be used by God that's what he whispers in here you're, you're no longer qualified you did this nobody saw it but oh he saw it he got a he's keeping a record and oh my goodness that uh, that's going to disqualify you from doing something for the Lord Well, that in itself may very well, but there's this little thing called the blood of Jesus. There's this little thing called forgiveness. There's this little thing that says God has mercy and grace on us. There's that thing that the devil's not telling you. I told you your adversary will tell you part of the truth. But you got to remind him of the whole truth, that his blood will set you free. His blood washes and cleanses you from all sin. Tell him the whole truth. Hit him with that word. Come on now. One of the greatest things that you can do for yourself is this. To get a hold of the fact that he chose you. That he chose you. Right where you are. In the stuff. In life. In the muck. In the mire. In the sewage pit. And it stinks everything around your life. You said, how can he use me? He's God. If he can forgive you, he can use you. Come on, this is good stuff. In life, if we don't get chosen for our talents and our abilities for a certain task, we feel like we have low self-esteem and low self-confidence and we're just no good. God's not looking at that. God can do whatever he chooses at whatever stage in your life. People like to be chosen. They like to be picked. You know why we don't really relate that to God and being picked by God? Because see if we're chosen in this life and we do good, people will say, man, that was so awesome, man, Billy, you did great. You lifted 700 pounds, man, that's awesome. We're looking for the attaboy. We're looking for, oh, man, I did something good for the team house, yeah. But with God so many times and so often, God calls us to do something, and guess what? He called you to walk down a path all by yourself with nobody around but God you know why he does that to show you that if you put your trust in him and your confidence in him that he and he alone can help you and accomplish what he wants to in your life and he'll bring people around you to support you i'm not talking about it. i'm talking about you got to get away from everything and let God be God in your life and say God here i am the assistance i need comes from you proverbs 3 5 and 6 says don't don't lean into your own understanding but trust the Lord with all your heart acknowledge Him in all your ways and He'll do what? Guide your path Whoa, that's good news to me because if I look to me my path's going all kind of ways looks like varicose veins if you look at my path what I want to do you think that we will pick God and He will come and straighten out our lives and come straighten out your mess and Fix your flaws and fill in all the holes, and but that's not the way it is at all. Did you hear me? The devil has lied to you and said, because when you come and you get saved, you say, "Well, I'm going to be fixed. I'm going to be great. All my flaws are going away. Well. All my, my my holes and all my pits and everything's going to be washed away, and I'm good." No, you're forgiven of it but you still got some flaws you still got some scars from yesterday you still got some memories of things you used to do a long time ago you're still dealing with those things because that's where the devil comes in and you leave that little crack and he starts talking to you about those things and so many times we fall and we stumble because we forget to say two words I'm forgiven I'm forgiven do you get it? I'm forgiven. God's not gonna fix your stuff. He's not gonna take it away. He's still gonna have it. still gonna have memories of it. But God says, that's good. I'm good with that. That'll keep you good. That'll keep you straight. Remember every now and then where I brought you from. Remember that I brought you out of an Egypt, out of bondage, out of, out of control. Remember that I brought you from that so you can stay focused on who I am and understand the value that I bring to your life and how much I paid for you because I chose you. Man, that'll lift your self-confidence. See, Jesus chose you. Everybody say, Jesus chose me. Everybody together. Some of you whispered it, and now the devil sat right up on your shoulder right now and said, Are you sure? Let's say a little louder. Jesus chose me. Woo! Devil getting nervous now. Because you got some truth in you. You start speaking the truth to him, say, Well, he, I may be crazy, but guess what? He still chose me in my craziness. God chose me and he can use me. Come on, church. This is good news. This is good news. I'm close. First Corinthians 1 uh, Corinthians one twenty-seven says this. But God, you need somebody has got to get this. But God chose what the world thinks as foolish to shame the wise, and God chose what the world thinks weak to shame the strong. <laughs> God, I remember when I got a, I got called to be a preach, I guess you'd say it. I, 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 that's all I can say. i in the ministry, but I, I thought I'd be a preacher of some sort. I remember I was about to, well, I was 18 when I released it. 17, but eight, 18 when I when I started telling people, you know, it took me a while to make sure God was had the right guy. You know, make sure he didn't have uh, my name at somebody else's address and he was talking to the wrong person kind of thing. So I remember I went to this uh, I went to my dad first. He said, "Well, you need to go talk to someone." So he had a good pastor friend. I told you my dad's always been pastor people friends. So I said, "Okay, I'll go talk to him." And I remember sitting on the back of the back of the truck, and I don't remember everything he said. I just remember this. He said, "If God's called you, it'll be a good thing." Well, that sounds good, man. I'm all excited. I'm woo. This is gonna be good. And he said, "But if he ain't, it's not a good thing." I thought, oh Maybe I need to recheck this. And I remember I went to someone I respected, an older elderly person that I respected, and I said, uh, "God called me to preach." It's in their yard. You know what she told me? No, he didn't. Excuse me. He didn't call you to preach. Picks up mess. I was like, "Woo, yay, glory to God. I, you know what I did not do? I did not say, you're wrong, I've heard from God. I, I've been pleading with God. I know God. I mean, he—he, he, I know he spoke to me. I was like, well, you've been in this thing longer than me. Maybe you know. Now granted, this person never heard me preach because I hadn't preached yet. They didn't know anything. They didn't know anything about me and my ministry. I didn't have one. I thought, well, they must know what's going on, right? I mean, they're, I mean, good gracious, they're patriarchs in the church. They got to know, glory to God. I mean, they're close to God. I mean, right? They're my elders, right? She's dead now. God didn't kill her. Oh, she'd be surprised you know I didn't get depressed I didn't come kind of through me for a little loop I didn't get depressed I didn't go home shake my fist at God and say God I thought you told me and this woman of faith told me to pick another profession I never mentioned one other thing to her about ministry <laughs> about what God was doing in my life and not one word did know is this in the young faith God chose me and whatever he wanted to do in my life whether that was preach clean the toilet wipe behind him it made me no difference because God called me because you know what all of those things are essential for kingdom building if you don't think so we'll go get all your kids and sit them by you every Sunday morning you can keep them on Wednesday nights. Come on, that's good, Pastor. You did good right there. It's essential for kingdom building. And nobody gets, to, I didn't get to pick whether it's going to be the finger or the nose or the ears, the eyes, the foot, the knee, the leg, or the mouthpiece. I didn't get to pick that. I said, God, what do you want to do? If you'll get serious with God, about what he wants to do in your life no matter what you look like, where you live, how much money you do or don't have, what you drive, what you don't drive. it That doesn't matter to God. And I'm so sick of our society saying, you got to be at this status before you can be anybody. No, God, his word says that he took those foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He took those things that didn't seem to matter and make most matter. That's what he did with them. That's what he's doing with us. Say, well, Pastor, I don't, have a, I don't have a seminary degree. Who cares? God can help you if you'll get in God's Word. Our biggest lack is we don't read God's Word. You don't have to have a degree from some seminary college. I've got credentials posted on the wall. I've never, in going on 12 years that I've had, 13 years I've had my credentials, I've never, ever, ever had anybody ask me but for my credentials. What? I've never had a guest evangelist come in and say, You got credentials? By the way, I'll make sure they got them before they come preach to you. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm your shepherd. Get a hold of this it's not where you are currently in life it's not what you look like what you smell like what you what what you perceive yourself to be God chose you and with this ideology self confidence and self esteem being so low God can't use you that's a lie from hell In close it. Hebrews 13 5 says in Jesus the latter part of the verse says Jesus will never leave you forsake you when you're walking down your path and you think I'm all alone God says I'll never leave you nor forsake you I'll never leave you nor forsake you I'll never I'll never leave you forsake you do you get it young people I'll never when God says never, it's serious business, church. When God says, I'm going to be with you, I'm never going to leave you. He's never going to leave you. Well, when did he know me? He knew me in my mother's womb. Before I knew me, And God says, I'll never leave you. In all of your junk, in all of your sin, and all of your brokenness, I'm right with you. God says, I'll never leave you. And when we know that God is with us, and my God, the scripture tells us, then who can be against us? Proverbs 18, 24 says that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Oh, I don't think you get that. He sticks closer than blood can. How can that be? He's God. He can do what He wants to. And what He says in His Word, it's true. You can take it to the bank, as my daddy used to say. Son, you can write that down in your little black book. It's going to happen if God said it. Praise God. So if you're dealing with low self-esteem, self-confidence, know this, God loves you just the way you are. If you'll stand with me, across this board.